You're listening to the Piston Podcast, the motoring podcast for the motoring enthusiasts, presented by me, Daniel Axerhouse. Listen whilst folding washing, doing your day-to-day commute, or even whilst you're faffing around trying to change your exhaust. Whatever you're doing, I promise to make your day a little less boring, with some fun and interesting motor talk. Anyway, engage launch control, it's time for the Piston Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 3 of the second series of the Piston Podcast, the motoring podcast for the motoring enthusiast, presented by me, your host, Daniel Actorhouse, also known as social media as Daniel Carzo 5. Give me a follow there, cheeky plug, there's going to be a lot of them throughout the show, be ready. This podcast is going to be very interesting because I have so much to talk about. I actually nearly forgot to record the podcast, uh, thanks to a packed weekend filming with my friend Matt through our YouTube channel, All Things Auto. It was all by choice. We had a lot of fun. But yeah, the podcast obviously needs to come first. It didn't this weekend because of so much getting in the way. So yes, a lot has gone on since last week. It feels like a, a year because school started again. So it's all going very, very slowly at the moment. Um, Le Mans has started this weekend. started yesterday at half one, finished today at half one. Or if you're listening on Monday when the podcast is out, yesterday it ended. It's complicated podcasting. It's not like radio where it's all live and easy. This is challenging. Proper challenge this is, podcasting. So, Le Mans was on. Um, I can tell you now, Toyota won, but we'll talk about that later on. Although, I, I think to- Toyota won. It's a bit unclear, and I'm not massive. Uh, I'm not a nerd on motorsport, so I'm not actually properly sure. But we're going to put that aside and talk about that later on, because as usual, we're going to kick off with the latest motoring topics in the motoring industry, courtesy of drivetribe.com, one of my favourite websites because it's just all cars. And also, I've got my articles on there which you can check out via Daniel's Tribe. So the first bit of automotive news this week is from Ford, and they've announced that they're releasing the Tremor off-road package for the Ranger. Now, the Ranger is their pickup truck. do really like it. I saw one today, and... It's like an it's like a UK version of the Raptor, and I just think it's nice. Now, personally, I don't think anybody really needs a pickup, but you can't help but like them. So if you do have one, you don't need one, but it's nice to have one. I say you don't need one. You don't need one unless you're a farmer and you keep pigs in the back of it or something. Um, but the question is, can it shake off the Toyota Tacoma, which is a pickup truck sold in America, I think, TRD Pro? That is the question. We'll have to wait and see. I'm sure we're all really, really, really waiting for that. What we have been waiting for though is this piece of news from Nissan because they've announced a new car. It's been quite massive in on social media. Do you know that car that sort of circulates social media for about a year like the Honda E did and is still doing today? Well this car is that and it's it's a Nissan 340Z. I, if I'm honest I can't remember the name of it and I just tried to find it and then lost the page and went right to the top of it. Bummer. Oh well. I'm not going to find out the name. It might come up later on on this page. Who knows? But it's a lovely new Nissan, sort of a competitor to the Toyota Supra, and it looks cracking. Very, very good. Holden website has removed all mention of its vehicles. Now, this is um, all because it's, it's basically their latest step in its gradual shutdown after General Motors, GM, pulled the pin on the brand earlier this year. Now, this dead, which is a massive shame, a lot of car companies are going. Mitsubishi announced their exit from the European market, and that was sad. Uh, it was the same when Daihatsu went and stuff like that, and Daewoo. It's a shame, really. These nice car brands, in my opinion, anyway, are all sort of leaving. And it's like, no. And then all of the scummy BMW brands are staying. 
which is controversial. Anyway, um, it says here um, that Labour calls for a ban on petrol, diesel and hybrid cars by 2030. There's a picture of a bashed up Ford Escort. That's interesting. Uh, so the Labour Party wants to bring forward the date of the ban on sale of new petrol, diesel and hybrid cars to 2030. I think it was going to be 2050, but I think they've, they've pulled it back. Now, I am a car enthusiast, and I have been all of my life, and I am massive on piston cars. Wasn't keen on electric cars a few years ago. Um, I can admit that. I really didn't like them. I thought, no, they're taking the fun away from us car enthusiasts. But now in 2020, we're really exposed to the EV world. I'm actually really open to it. I think it's fantastic. And to be honest, I can probably say this with a lot of confidence now, I like electric cars probably as much as I like piston-powered cars petrol and diesel and hybrids maybe i really like them they're cool there is their simplicity's nice as well and it's instant talk and you can't really complain with that unless you've got a bit of an uncontrollable foot in which case you'll end up in a brick wall but they're pretty safe anyway so you should be all right just uh, gonna affect your bank account more than yourself um but to be honest i think they're doing the right thing i know all car enthusiasts are probably going to be going oh god and tweeting me telling me off blah 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 for saying that as a car enthusiast, I mean, I wouldn't be here if I didn't like cars. But to be honest, a change has to happen. Petrol, diesel and hybrid cars, apparently, though maybe not very good, are damaging the planet and damaging the youth of today. And I sound very Greenpeace when I say this. That was the computer that made that noise. I apologise. I'll turn the volume down. But a change does need to happen, and it needs to happen within the next 10 or 15 years. Um, so that's just what I think. Well, move away from that. Let me know what you think on social media. Love to hear your opinion. Or actually, you can email thepistonpodcast at gmail.com and I will read out your email. Rimac has just officially bought... What do you think it is? Will it be Peugeot? No. Will it be Kia? No. No, Rimac have bought Bugatti. Um, but VW's being very sneaky about it. They're keeping it very quiet, but then there's Rimac on the other side of the telephone. That's basically blurting out everywhere. Of course they would, because it's a massive deal for Rimac. Rimac are fantastic, but you can't help but saying they're quite a small company, maybe not as well known as Bugatti, for example. But this new purchase is going to build Rimac especially, and possibly Bugatti for the future. Because I'm excited to see electric Bugattis progress and stuff like that. I think that's going to be interesting, because they made some of the fastest production piston cars, so I can only imagine what they're going to be like with electric cars. I mean, Remac are pretty amazing at that, as long as Richard Hammond isn't behind the wheel. But yeah, that is exciting. Um, what else has been going on in the motoring industry? Um, Moke has returned to the UK after 56 years. Now, there's a picture here of the Moke car, and it's one of the weirdest things in the world. It's like a, a drugged-up Miari, Citroen Miari. Probably not as nice, but Moke is apparently coming back to the UK after 56 years. I'm not really sure what to think of that, so let's move on. BMW has teased the next generation M3, and the presentation is due next week, or if you're listening to this podcast, on the day it's released, which you will be, or the day after maybe, this week. Or if you're a late arrival, then it's already happened, and you probably know. And there's a, a teaser here, typical car manufacturer teaser, um, where they just literally post a headlight and some funny green smoke around it. So the new M3 is coming along, and I'm excited for that, because I've always been a bit of a fan of the M3, uh, more so than the M4. I probably have an M2, though. I really like that. 
Um, but there we go. Uh, Lexus has trademarked the TX name for America. Uh, so this could be their next three-row SUV. Interesting. Hyundai Venue will no longer be offered with a manual transmission. Uh, it says here, another one bites the dust. So no Hyundai's Hyundai uh, will have a manual gearbox anymore, apparently, which is a shame. But then again, you're not going to be ragging a Hyundai, probably, unless it's a rental. Uh, Peugeot has teased its hypercar, <laughs> sounds crazy, which will race at the 24 Hours of Le Mans in 2022. Now, let's just turn away from that. That's interesting, very interesting. Good-looking car. A lot of car companies have been releasing their future Le Mans cars. But let's actually talk about this weekend's event. So it started yesterday, say so yesterday, not for the listeners, on the 19th of September um, at 1.30pm. That's when they put the flag down, they ran to the cars and drove off. Whiz, whiz, whiz. And then stopped today, or in the past, Sunday the 20th of September, day after, who knew the new, 24 hours, at 1.30 again. It's kind of self-explanatory. And I'm a bit of ashamed, um, because I haven't watched a single minute of it. I watched about 20 seconds on Twitter, but I haven't watched a single minute on the telly of Le Mans this year. Now, last year I was a bit of a nerd, because I watched it all afternoon, and then sort of kept it on overnight in the background on the telly. It's quite mad. And then woke up and watched it again for quite a few hours. It was a bit of a sweat. Uh, I still slept, though. I know, I know some people don't, which is quite crazy. But this this year, I watched nothing. Partly because I was on my bike today and yesterday. And partly because um, Eurosport, which it's shown on, isn't on my Freeview telly. It's on Sky downstairs. And this telly downstairs is constantly being hogged by my family watching football which I know is a common problem for motoring fans like myself. So, yeah, it's a bit of a shame, really. Although I have been seeing some of the highlights on the Le Mans um, social media platforms. Social media. Um, So, yeah, quite a shame to say that, but I have. It's now out in the open. Um, And last bit of car news before we move on to more gossip, because a lot has happened. Um, A contrast nightfall with the Summer Red Mini Rosewood Edition. Uh, I've probably said that completely wrong. Um... It's, just, it's been announced, this car, just after the Nightfall edition, uh, and it's called the Rosewood edition. And apparently it turns night back into day. That's nonsense, isn't it? I don't really know. It's like a new colour edition mini. Let's not finish on that. Let's think of. Let's finish on something more interesting. Let's do one more. This is interesting. Revealed in 2022, Ford teases the F-150 pickup truck electric. That is interesting. We'll call it a day there for motoring news, uh, because we are going to move on to a bit of car conversation. Because, now, last week on the podcast, I had a very interesting guest from Drive Tribe and Food Tribe, Ben Wellam. Uh, follow him on social media at Ben, with a double N, Ben, N, Wellam. Um, that's on Twitter and Instagram, I believe. It was very interesting to chat to him, about 38 minutes long, I think, so have a check, check that out um, on Apple Spotify and Amazon now, which is interesting. Amazon Prime, mm, famous, um, nearly. But yeah, um, last weekend, the day after I recorded that podcast, so the day before it was released, because this is complicated, I had a driving experience. And I mentioned this is an episode one of the second series, which is great. Uh, I said I had a driving experience, and I thought it was hosted by Drive Me, but um, the company Drive Me, which hosts the driving experience, had been bought since we bought the tickets back in Christmas time by a company called Sixth Gear. I thought, that's interesting. Um, I wonder where they got the name from, by the way. A bit of a fifth gear, top gear 
collaboration, maybe. But yeah, sixth gear. I thought, that oh, God, that's good because they've got some new cars. Uh, I wasn't too bothered about being told that I couldn't drive the cars that I chose because I was like, might have something new there, and they did. And I got to drive some. Um, so I drove three cars, and I can tell you quickly, the three cars I did drive, is in Stafford, by the way, XRF base. Um, it was a Porsche 911 Turbo 997, which is good, but with more, one massive downfall towards the end. It involves a bit of flames. Um, uh, Jaguar F-Type R, the one with the V8, which is being reviewed this week. I'm not going to keep it a secret because it's in the title. It took me a while to realise that when I first started this. Um, not so much. No, no suspense, really. And then the last car was the Audi R8, the V8 one again. Uh, now, I've driven the R8 before, so I'll talk about that first. The R8, it's just a good car, really. It's got some parts of the Lamborghini Gallardo at the time it would have been. Um, but it's an Audi, isn't it? So it's Quattro. It goes around corners like nothing you'll probably experience, apart from a race car, maybe, and some other cars. But it's amazing, really. Straight line. It's alright, it does pick up, but you do have to be in the right gear um, for the turbo and everything to whiz. Uh, I think there's a turbo on it, and then I'm being a bit thick. But the car just never fails to impress, really. I mean, I drove the Lamborghini Huracan, and I did prefer that, personally. V10, naturally aspirated. It just sends off. And that was about two years ago. Picture on my wall, actually. Um, that was good, but I didn't drive that, so this time anyway, so we won't talk about that. The other eight was good. We'll shove that aside. The next car was the Porsche 911 Turbo. Now, this was the 997. Now, I got in it, and I was like, oh, yes, because I love Porsche. It's one of my favourite car brands. Previously, I drove the Cayman, Cayman S, and I loved it, because it just goes around corners amazingly. Probably better than the R8, actually. Just stuff my own point. But um, the 911 Turbo was... It was pretty great, to be honest. You get in it, the steering's nice and heavy, and it feels very Porsche-y, very German, very solid, you'd think. Let me get to the end of the story. Um, but you put your foot down, it builds up a bit, nothing happens, nothing happens. Oh, do I really have to accelerate? Uh, fine. Gives you all of the turbo, boom, you're off. So you put your foot down, turbo, and you're off. Straight away like that. A turbo like that, like I've, nothing, like I've not felt before. Some of the worst tur turbo lag I've I've experienced in a car. It's one of the only faults, really. Well, two. Um, so yeah, that was one of the only faults was the turbo lag. But once the turbo's whizzed up, it's incredible. Really sends you back into your seat. It, it's a bit of a surreal experience, actually. But ten, fifteen, twenty minutes after I got out of that car, a little boy, probably about eight, an eight-year-old driving a Porsche, hundred mile an hour. God, he got in it. Um, I drove the hardtop, and he actually drove a convertible, so maybe not the exact car I drove. But he got in the car, his 911, um, same era as the one I drove and everything, same model, same colour. He went down the runway, came back, all of a sudden a massive cloud of smoke. I'm not exaggerating this, massive. See a video on my Twitter and Instagram, um, at Daniel Carso 5 plug. But yeah, so they pulled over back into the, the pits, shall I say. It's not really pits, it's just a little car park. Uh, pulled in, and they were quite bad, really, how they handled it. So, smoke pouring out the back, where the engine is, obviously. So, the little boy got out of the car. He wasn't escorted to the side or anything like that. He was just stood by the car, which I found pretty shocking. Not his fault. It was the people's fault. The steward, sixth gear people. Um, the stupid stewards, I should say. And then the, the car started catching fire from the engine. So, the guy thought, I don't know, let's open the bonnet and let's wave it with my little pamphlet leaflet thing. Which only fed the fire. 
and all of a sudden it was blazing, um, which was quite bad. The fire extinguisher was about 100 metres away, so they had to go and get that, and they were really slow with responding. So overall, quite a disappointing moment, that, that was right at the end. Um, but apart from that, it was alright. But sixth gear, really sort your stuff out because if that would happen at the bottom end of the track, I can only imagine what could have gone wrong. Quite a lot. It's just it just proves it's something that could have gone wrong even worse, very very quickly. So yeah, that's one of the only gripes I have. So it's it's quite a big gripe, I admit. But yeah, I put it on Twitter, and they retweeted it. <laughs> Saying my my certain disgust over how they handled the 9/11 fire, they retweeted it, not with a comment or anything. They just retweeted it. I was like, great promotion there, well done. I'm sure the boss is going to be thrilled. But anyway, let's move away from them two cars, the R8 and the 911, because the car I drove as well as them two was the Jaguar F-Type. Now my friend Matt has driven a Jaguar F-Type, but he drove the V6, and I thought, will I be driving the V6 or will I be driving the R version? which is a V8, 5-litre supercharged V8. It's quite mad, and I thought, yes. To live with, I'd choose a V6, probably, but to drive as a driving experience, you want the V8, you want the full, full experience. And it was a V8. And the problem I have with that car is it sort of looks a bit underwhelming. You sort of look at it and go, Ugh. And my instructor did say, actually, a lot of the people actually pull out um, of driving the F-Type, just because it just looks like a Jag and stuff, and then drive a Ferrari or something. Or the R8. But he said, actually, this car is absolutely crazy. It's it's about one and a half times pow as powerful as the R8 I drove previously. Um, and it was absolutely bonkers. So I'm going to do a review of that car now, as it says in the title, check out F-Type R and sports cars, I think it'll say, dot, dot, dot. I've got to be specific. So let me pick up my leaflet. Russell my paper, as Zoe Ball does in Radio 2. So, the Jaguar F-Type R, when it was new, costed from £94,895. Although now, second-hand, I don't think they're selling new because there's a new F-Type out. They cost a lot cheaper. You'll have to have a look on Autotrader. Um, the engine is a 5-litre V8 supercharged engine. Um, now, the advantage of it being supercharged compared to turbocharged is there's no lag. I've wrote that as a pro. There's no lag whatsoever. Put your foot down, you're off. You're off, and you probably don't expect it after going in a turbo 911 with masses of turbo lag. But supercharger, they're just off. Mad. It's really, really scary, but epic at the same time. Rear wheel drive, got the tail out a bit. You have to in an F type, don't you? 550 brake horsepower, torque 502 pound foot torque. MPGs, mid 20s, according to Evo magazine, which is terrible. But it's a V8, 5 litre, so that's irrelevant. We'll put a cross through that. 0 to 60, 3.9 seconds. Wow, yeah, probably feels a bit faster than that. Top speed, 186 miles per hour. And it weighs 1.8 tonnes, just over 1.8 tonnes, which is heavy. But the engine is masses, massively heavy. Two-seater, two doors, obviously. And the rivals consist of the Porsche 911, Audi RS5, probably, and the V8 Ford Mustang. The list goes on. Lots of rivals. Just think of your standard powerful maybe v8 flat six turbo sports car stuff like that pros it's fast i wrote fast in capital letters which must be it must mean it's very fast uh, another one is there's no lag uh, because it's supercharged as i mentioned prior to this uh it's british it's a jag it's my brother just walked into the room i'm recording a podcast go away um it's british which is a massive pro it's a jag. There we go. This stuff like that happens on a podcast. It's natural. I've had it there before. And then dog barking, which some people may have heard. Oh, we'll move on. It's British. 
British cars are cool. It's just standard, really. It's a Jag, as they say on the Grand Tour, and uh, certain cool people. A Jaguar is just cool. I've driven an XJ6, and even that felt epic, and that was around a motorway service station, um, which, a bit weird, a few months after that, police went there um, for police interceptors. Because <laughs> they weren't there that day. Cons, the price. This is when it was new, of course. It's a lot of money. 95 grand for maybe a... It's a coupe, effectively. It's fast coupe, but it is a coupe. It's a lot of money. Uh, it looks pretty ordinary. If you see one parked up, you're just going to say, it's an F-type, which I suppose is good to stop it getting nicked. But then again, as soon as you start it up, oh my word, it's a head-turner. The one was turning out of ABP Motorsport, which is a company down the road from me, and he was only putting his foot down a tiny bit, and it's one of the loudest cars you'll hear. And then the last one, it's not very practical. It's a Rory V8. It's impossible to drive it quietly. Boot space, the frunk space, rather, it's minimal, and MPG is dire. Which is why, if you really are dying for an F-Type to live with day in, day out, just because you like it, then I'd go for the V6. Um, but if, if you're a driving experience, go for the V8. It's just fun. But if you're a bit of a mad person, uh, maybe on a few 60s medicine or something, then uh, go for the V8, I say. Um, but yeah, the V6 is it's refined, isn't it? It's nice. Jaguar F-Type R was my favourite car of the day. And I didn't expect it to be. I thought it'd be the least favourite, but... Oh my word, it's amazing. Drive one if you can, please. Top 10 list. Um, now, top 10 list I do every week. I try and link it to the car I am doing. Now, if the F-Type isn't for you, then I'm going to do a top 10 list of affordable sports cars. Now, these are probably less powerful than the V8 Janku F-Type, but hey-ho, they're sports cars, so it sort of fits in. And number 10 is the Ford Mustang, which I've also driven. Great car. And number 9 is the Audi TT RS. One overtook me, actually. They sound cool. And number 8 is the Lotus Elise Sport. And number 7 is the BMW Z4 M40i. Nice looking car. And number 6 is the Toyota GT86 slash Subaru BRZ, which is the same car effectively. And number 5 is the Mazda MX-5, which is not fast, but it's fun. We used to own a Unos Roadster, the Mark 1. This is when we lived in France, actually. Very temporarily, because we couldn't get it registered. We didn't know that when we bought it. So we had it for the maximum amount of time we were allowed a car abroad, which is six months. We had to sell it. It was absolutely devastating. But oh well, it had to go. And we move on. Now we've got a Fiat Panda 100 HP, so it's not too bad. Life is gradually improving. And number four is the Toyota GR Supra. It looks great. One overtook me uh, on my bike on the way to school, and it was white with tinted windows, a bit illegal black trim as well. It just looks stunning. Really, really good. Better than the uh, Z4, in my opinion. Controversial, I know. And number three is the BMW M2 Comp Competition slash CS. And number two is the Porsche 718, 718, what you want to call it, Boxster and the Cayman. Driven the Cayman. Great car again. And at number one, just guess it. I probably may as well not say it. I will do anyway. It's the Alpine A110, which I believe is not selling as well as it should do, uh, even though it's a fantastic car. People look at it and go, it's just an Alpine. Well, it's going to be reliable. It's just a bit It's a bit naff. doesn't look maybe as good. So let's get a Porsche. No, get an Alpine, I say. Um, even though I'm a massive Porsche fan. You can't go wrong. But an Alpine A110 is just... It's, it's the essence of modern-day driving, really. Um, now... My Way or Highway I'm going to do now, which is a segment I do uh, every week, and it's basically a road of the week, effectively, although I did a racetrack a few weeks ago, Alton Park, um, after I went to see the motorbike racing. Um, it's basically, you can take My Way, which I'm going to talk about now, 
or you can just bugger off and take the highway, I suppose. So my way this week is Donington Park. Now, obviously, you can't drive through Donington Park to get to Waitrose, but if you want somewhere nice to drive, put it that way, go to Donington Park. Um, now, this I try and fit in my way highway with the car I review. It's sort of the thing I've started doing. It makes sense. So take your Jag F Type R or your affordable sports car, say affordable, inverted commas, uh, to Donington Park. It's located in Castle Donington in Derby. It hosts uh, the British Touring Car Championships and more events like that. It opened in 1931 and reopened in 1977, uh, when my mum was two, actually. Random fact. I'm sure you're not very interested. And this is interesting. All th- um, not All Things Auto. God. Piston Podcast is going mathematical. All Things Auto is a YouTube channel. God. You can tell it's late in the day. The construction cost is... £12,000 for Donington Park and now Donington is spent with, spelt with one N uh, after D-O, D-O-N I thought it was two, but common mistake I think, it's one N apparently but yeah, £12,000 it's a lot of money, but it's a great racetrack it looks fantastic, if there's a track day near you at Donington Park just go, it's just going to be good isn't it, you can't really complain Anyway, that's the segments done. Hope you enjoyed them. It's not the end of the podcast, though, because I've got some last bits. Because after the driving experience, which I talked about before, on the way out, it's like a mile or two road, stretch of roads, private. Um, so I begged my parents, and I got to drive the Panda. Now, I've driven the Panda before, forwards and backwards on the driveway, and I also drove it around Alton Park on the bit of grass in the middle. Um, but that was only first and second gear work possibly third, but mostly first and second, mostly first. Um, but, yeah, I got to drive the Panda, got to fourth gear, doing about 30 mile an hour in a 10 zone. Sorry, sixth gear, but that's what you get for um, putting your cars on fire. <laughs> that's cruel. But, yeah, the Panda's a good car. I say this every week, trying to convince people to buy one. It does work, because I get people that say, I've driven a Panda 100 HP after you mentioned they were good, and, and I really want one. Um, and they are. Join the Facebook page and you'll you'll see. It's not just me that loves them. Um, so yeah, not wrong. It's not just me being a childish uh, idiot at all. But yeah, the panda's good. We'll move away from that. Um, now, All Things Auto. Um, as I've mentioned accidentally a few times today, All Things Auto is a YouTube channel with me and my friend slash colleague, mostly colleague, uh, Matthew Loverhouse, who's been on the podcast twice on social media as at Matthew Loverhouse on Twitter. No. On Instagram, and then on Twitter, Matthew LR2. Go give him a follow, sneakily, um, and say it's from me. Um, so, we've got a YouTube channel. We do a lot of stuff on it. Bike vlogs, if you want to call it that. I don't want to be known as a vlogger, but they are sort of vlogs. We did one today, actually. Interesting. And car reviews. We've reviewed McLarens, smart cars, all sorts. And, yeah, they're nice. It's just it's a lovely thing to do, aside from school. Yeah, they're really good. But we we recorded a video today, we went out on the racing bikes, went for a nice uh, ride around, and he fell off his bike. To my entertainment and to his downfall, I recorded it. So I've been laughing my head off, I must put it on social media at some point when the video's out. So, subscribe to All Things Auto, which recently 100 subscribers, thank you by the way. Because uh, <laughs> that video will be up shortly, and it features abandoned Land Rovers, um, beautiful scenery, Matt eating this pastry thing he got from Morrison's, and him falling off his uh, off his bike, of course. So an interesting video and an interesting channel all around. And appreciate your support. Now, I think we're coming up to the, the end, so I'd like to finish off with a, a topic that people tell me off for, 
um, which is my love for the Daewoomatiz. Now, I know we've talked about Jags and Porsches and cars like that, Audi R8s and Lamborghinis, but now we're going to finish off with the Daewoomatiz, because I think I briefly mentioned it a few weeks ago, but I just want to talk about it a bit more, and who knows, I might review it. In fact, I will. I'm going to review it at some point. In the, during the, in the next few weeks, I'm going to review a Daewoomatiz, I'm sorry, but I will do. I mean, I reviewed a City Rover in Series 1 with guest Noel Huggett. But, yeah, I'm going to review the day with Matisse. But just briefly now, I'm going to tell you why I love it so much. I love it because it's a 800cc, three-cylinder, three-pot car. And it's tiny. It looks like a dead hamster that's been woken up during brain surgery, if that's possible. Um, it just it looks quirky. It is quirky. They're very cheap. I mean, you can get them for pennies, uh, hundreds of pounds. Um and they're fantastic. And I've got one in front of me here, actually. This is a Daewoo Matiz, 0.8 litre, five-door, obviously. And it's up for £399. It's silver with the registration W499UAB. One owner from new. It's done 40,000 miles for £399 in Warsaw and West Midlands. And, oh, my God, I've never been so tempted. Uh, I'd sell a lung for it, if I'm honest. At some point in my life, I will own a Daewoo Matiz. I'll just say that to myself. Just because they're so cheap. And fun. That's a first car, maybe. Mm. I keep coming back and forth to the idea. Because I put up my Instagram story. And there was one or two people that said, eh, I see where you're coming from. It does. It looks alright. And I'm sure it's going to be quite a fun car. Most of them, though, were people going, Oh my word, Daniel. Sort yourself out. Some people said, Oh, I considered mental therapy. But on Twitter, and there was more fans of the Matiz on there. Mostly because Twitter's for old men like myself. In the brain, anyway. Um, that's only 15 soon. I'm not that old yet. But um, a lot of people were like, ah, it's a really fun car. It's quirky. And you can't really go wrong with them, really. They're fairly reliable. Um, and then there's, there's one or two people that sort of went, no. I think I bashed the microphone there. Sorry. But um, to be honest, they're fantastic. So just have a look. Daewoo Matiz. It's based on the Chevrolet Matiz. But it's Daewoo. They started it off. And the actual design was uh, tried to uh, tried to be sold to Fiat by Giorgino Gigiaro. I don't know. Giorgetto Gigiaro. I, I know his last name's Gigiaro. I don't know his first name. It's something. Uh, he designed it, tried to sell it to Fiat for the new uh, Cinquecento replacement, which is a Seicento, but they didn't want it, surprisingly. Daewoo eventually bought it, and it just looks great. I absolutely love what I love him. Really love him. If somebody gives me a day with Matiz, I will literally marry them. I just would, uh, and then run off with the car. There's one, another one here, because the one that was I looked at just then was a silver one. There's a green one here. Fifty-one thousand miles from new. One owner from new. Two thousand registered. Um, five hundred quid, and it looks fab, fantastic. Now there's a YouTube channel called Hubnut. Um, go subscribe to it. It's really good. Um, it's it's done by a guy called Ian Seabrook. He likes the ordinary cars. He's got a TCV. He's got a TWC Invercar. I think it's just an Invercar, isn't it? It's his registration, TWC. Not too sure. He's got a Citroen GSA. He's got a flipping Yugo Sana. He's got a lot of weird cars. But he's also got a Daewoo Matiz. Now, he bought this car new in 1999, I think it was. And then sold it a year later. Because it's a bit of a financial disaster. Because of depreciation. Not because it was unreliable. Because it wasn't. He found it again in 2018. And bought it back for 100 quid. I've said to myself. I said it to my parents as well. To their disgust. If a Matiz comes up for 100 or 150 quid. Near us. And it's fairly low miles. Not like hundreds of thousands. And it's it's fairly good condition. And I like it. 
I will go and buy it. I just will. I can't drive yet, but I will go and buy it, no matter the scenario. I just will. Um, I can't justify spending 400 quid just yet. But, I just love them. Go search them up, please. They'll be on my social media as well, I'm sure. But I'm going to review it in a few weeks, so stay tuned for that. Uh, but anyway, I think we'll call it a day there, so thank you ever so much for listening to this week's instalment of The Piston Podcast, episode 3. Remember, The Piston Podcast is out weekly, every single Monday, lucky people, pod people as I call them, um, to all of the pod places, there we go, alliteration, I hope my English teacher's proud, to iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, which is new, Acast, I think, it's it's everywhere, so just have a look, really, and subscribe to all places. And if you're on that platform, give it a subscribe. And if you're on this platform, blah, 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 I don't know how it works, really. Give it a positive review, please. That would be much appreciated. Uh, I think that's all from me. Stay safe. Follow me on social media at DanielCarso5. I'll see it again. <laughs> Secret plug. And I can do that, because it's my podcast. Anyway, stay safe, everybody. I will see you next week. Goodbye. I'm going to go look at David Matisse's now and put my pizza in the oven. You're listening to The Piston Podcast, the motoring podcast for the motoring enthusiasts, presented by me, Daniel Axerhouse. Listen whilst folding washing, doing your day-to-day commute, or even whilst you're faffing around trying to change your exhaust. Whatever you're doing, I promise to make your day a little less boring, with some fun and interesting motor talk. Anyway, engage launch control, it's time for The Piston Podcast.